0: Today on It's Time. The reason we're adopted is because we have a relationship with God. I, leave, I hear the calling. It's time. it's time. It's
1: time. It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler. Pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going first by verse through the book of Galatians. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike.
0: So the only thing good about any of this is Jesus. And then it occurred to me this is what happened to the Jewish nation. They had a form of godliness, they had the rules. They felt as long as they were coloring inside the lines, they were okay and they could tear down everybody else. Now the Bible tells us what God's standard is. Are the cults real? Yes. Are we being unloving by telling people the cults are, are, are not telling you the truth? We are obligated by Scripture to do that. He goes on and he tells us here. When the fullness of time had come, or just at the right time, God sent forth his Son to be born of woman. By the way, there's been a lot of discussion on why Jesus came when he did. And if you go back through history, you'll find some interesting things. At the time of Nebuchadnezzar, the first world-governing power, and this goes back to Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, you're the head of gold, shoulder to silver, uh, stomach of brass, legs of iron, feet of iron and clay, all these things, he said, you, Nebuchadnezzar, are the head of gold. What did Nebuchadnezzar basically do? He united, he united the world. It was fragmented up to that point. And we remember that he assimilated the nation of Israel into his kingdom. This was how Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all ended up in, in Babylon. And with them, in them was the treasure of God's promise to tell them that there was going to be a Messiah that was going to come. We remember the Grecian Empire took over. And what did the Grecian Empire do? It was a world-governing power, but what it did, it gave the world a common language. That was lost at Babel, if you remember. So we have a united world, we have a one-world language. Then the Romans take over. What did they do? Well, even though the world was one place, it was, and with, a, with one language, it was a very violent place. So the Romans came in and they instituted these cruel punishments called crucifixion. Uh, They had a judicial system. They had all these things. They brought law into this one world order. Something else the Romans did is they built roads everywhere. Why did they build roads? It's because they wanted the ability to move their troops rapidly from one area to a troubled area so that they could put down any uprisings. That was one of the things that Romans did. And when the fullness of time had come, so God waited, had Jesus, and by the way, the Jewish people, God had given them the revelation that there was going to be a Messiah that was going to come. But that message would have only stayed in the little land of Israel had they not been taken over by the Babylonian Empire, which then assimilated through all these kingdoms that were to come. And the fullness of time came. The promise of a Messiah, a unified world, a world with a common language called Greek, roads and laws to make communication of the gospel easy. In other words, you could take the gospel on the roads. You could have one common language. When the fullness of time had come. God just didn't willy-nilly just say, oh yeah, okay, it's a good time for Mary to have a child in Bethlehem. No, it was when the fullness of time was. In fact, if you go back and you uh, study just an overview of the first couple of gospels, you'll you'll see how the, the political play was on with Herod, and how Jesus was taken down into Egypt. We see all these different things going on because we realize that there was a specific time that Jesus was to come. And it says, born of a woman. Notice it doesn't say born of a man. Born of a woman, because God his Father was the Father. And he was born under the law. Born under the law, lived under the law, fulfilled the law, and then died in our place. Payment paid in full. This is what this is talking about. To redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, the question is, is this. We're adopted. If you're not a Christian here today, I want to ask you a simple question. Who's your daddy? Because if you don't have a heavenly father that you can cry out to, what are you crying out to? Oh, great tree, would you please save me? Well, I don't have a church. I just go up in the mountains and I'm, I'm there and I look at the rocks and I say, oh, rocks, come and help me. They're not going to help you. Who's your daddy? You're adopted. The reason we're adopted is because we have a relationship with God. Now, notice this is, because you are sons, God sent forth the Spirit, His Son, into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. I I like that. Uh, The Bible says that God sends His Spirit into us. So it isn't just a religion that you learn the mantras and you recite the creeds and you jump through the hoops, but that we actually have God come and live inside of us. Friends, that's weird, but it's great. God takes up his residency inside of us and changes us from the inside out. So many years, the church, years ago, 50s and early 60s, thought if we could just get people to, in ties and suits... They'd be good. If they look good, they are good. Well, that didn't work so well, did it? Because we found out corrupt business people could put on a very nice suit and tie and be just as corrupt as a person that loved God could wear the same thing. It isn't an outward thing. It's an inward thing. And so he says, God put his spirit inside of us. See, that's why the teaching Understanding God is already in you if you're a believer is different than a church or a religion or a group or whatever it might be that doesn't recognize that because they're trying to change you from the outside. That's why they'll have these great psychobabble courses and self-help and self-motivational speaking in church. Why? Because they're trying to convince the outside to change when, the, when, when God is the one that changes us from the inside. So you can either have, and this is basically the bottom line, you can either have a legal relationship with God or a love relationship with God. A legal relationship will always be from the outside coming in. A real Christian experience is from the inside. God putting his Holy Spirit into us, changing us from the inside out. Jesus looked at Peter and said, from now on, you're going to be catching men. I like that about Jesus. You know, basically, Peter, you catch them, I'll clean them. That's God's job. I don't want to do God's job. God has his own way of doing things. And God knows at what rate that we need to move for him to be able to do those things. Again, we're all heirs in Christ Jesus. We are. There's a promise. You have a uh, great inheritance. But God will give that to us someday when we stand before him. But as we go through this life, God meters that out to us. And I believe, friends, that's so totally important. Therefore, verse 7, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and a son than an heir of God through Christ. Notice the progression. Why is that? Because we're children of God, God's got something great for you. Isn't that good to know? God's got something good for you. We got a good God. We got a God that that has a way of of repairing the years that the canker worm has eaten. And I'll tell you something, you don't have to live very long to realize those little worms have been really busy. Why is that? It's because the world is on the take. God is on the give. If your God is the God of this world, you're going to find yourself taken from and taken from and taken from. If your God is the Lord, you're going to find God living inside of you an inexhaustible supply. Big difference. So he says, but then indeed, when, did you, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not God's. You know, it's weird. When people don't serve God, I'm amazed what people will dedicate their lives to. Sometimes great humanitarian things. Sometimes to make as much money as I can. But none of those things in the end will save an individual. He's saying, before you came to God, you served the gods of this world and it never really would profit you anything. But now, after you've known God, verse 9, or rather are known by God, by the way, that's an interesting statement there, that first of all, you know God, and then God knows you. God's always always known us. Have we known God? How is it that you turn again to the weak and be- Worthless elements of bondage. He's saying, why are you going back under the law again? If God is the grantor of all these great things to you, why then are you going back to the law? Is it something within us that just like to say, I kept the Sabbath. I didn't eat pork. Ooh, I'm good. There's something about us in pride that drives us. I think this is how the cults of the world work. And again, uh, they're always trying to get you to earn what God's already given you. That way they can control you. And this is what he's saying. But after you've known God, or rather that you've been known by God, how is it that you turn again to these belaborly things, these elements that put you back into bondage? You observe the days and the months and the seasons and the years. He said, You're going back under the old Jewish law of the feast. It does nothing. Now, if somebody wants to do that, I have nothing against that. Nothing. It's fine. You can do that. But don't think in one iota it makes you any more spiritual whether you worship on Saturday or Monday or Sunday, or Tuesday. It makes no difference to God. You're no more spiritual if you worship on Saturday than you do on Sunday. I actually have heard one of these groups around saying, well, Sunday worship is the mark of the beast. I go, don't you read your Bible? And there's a point where I just go, ah! Paul says the same thing. I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. How is it that you can start in grace? Again, oh foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Again, are you so foolish? Verse 3, let's go back to verse 3, chapter 3. Having begun in the Spirit, are you going to be made perfect by the flesh? The law only affects the flesh. The Spirit of God affects your spirit. If you've begun in the Spirit, stay in the Spirit. See, all these things were just to show us what our priorities should be. Now, either God does this supernaturally in us, or we have to do it ourselves. And we have to generate it ourselves. As we look at this this morning, again, you say, well, Mike, you seem to be kind of passionate on this. Why is that? I talk to people on the radio all the time dozens, maybe hundreds of people, uh, well, I know more than hundreds of people a month. I'm amazed how many people are questioned and call and say, oh, well, I have a friend and they believed in Jesus and now they're getting all wrapped up in this this Judaizing stuff and, and I'm going, it means nothing. Read the book of Galatians. I shared this a few weeks ago But I remember when I was 18 years old or 17, looking through the screen door, there were two finely dressed people, and they were telling me how Jesus really wasn't God. He was Michael the archangel. And that I had to worship on Saturday. And I knew everything they were saying was wrong and I had no way of defending what I believed. Now, the reason I knew it was wrong is because I was taught well. I I went to a Bible-believing church. I had Christian parents. But because I didn't know where to go to defend my faith, the most I could say to them is, you're wrong, prove it. And I go, ah. And it might be that very day, and I remember that as I closed the door, I I was troubled. Because I know what they were saying was wrong. I couldn't really defend myself. I know they went away believing that they were right in their own heart. They were not challenged from God's word. And I felt so guilty. And the reason I felt guilty is I was. I, I, I couldn't make good defense for my faith. The Bible tells us, and this is where we get the name, to every man an answer. We need to be able to stand up for what we believe. How do you come to the conclusions you come to? Well, this is what my church believes, and that's what I'll always believe. Amen. Well, that's good, but it does do anything for anybody else. You see, there's reasons why we believe what we believe. It isn't just, this is our church's creed. We were recited together. Please turn in to book number 24 and read page 9. Let's all read it together. That is not what brings us the understanding of the love of God. You can have a legal relationship with God. Or you can have a love relationship with God. It's your choice. But if it's a legal relationship, you'll never, ever be able to pay what is required by the law. The law always demands more than you can give. That's why Jesus had to come and die on the cross, He could pay the debt. I could never pay the debt. This morning, if you're not a Christian, and you die, you're going to stand before God, and you're going to plead your case. God will look at you and say, "Why should I let you in my kingdom?" Well, I'm a pretty good guy. I don't do this. I don't do that. I do this. I do that. And I do a few things I know I shouldn't do. But you know, if you really weigh it in this big balance thing, you know the jurisprudence. You know who that is that's the lady with the blindfold on that has the balances, and you know. You're You're cool. You know, that's kind of the way we think. As long as the good outweighs the bad, I'm all right. The problem is, when God says, why should I let you into my kingdom? One sin will keep us out. That's why we need Jesus. Paid in full. The judge has declared on us a debt we can never pay. It's like being arrested for something or whatever. I, I heard a story about a guy over in Hawaii, and, and, the, and the storms came in and, and broke the seawall down in front of his house. So he went and rebuilt the wall. And a week or so later, he gets a letter from the city finding him $75,000 because he replaced his seawall without a permit and the and the and the amount was so much money he didn't know if he could pay it let me tell you something about our deficit with god we can't pay it only jesus could pay it that's why he died on the cross so understanding then we're not saved by works we're not saved by new moons and sabbaths and keeping all the holy days and all those things They came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And he said, the second is likened unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said something that rips the teeth out of the Judaizers. He said, upon these two, love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, upon these two... Paying all the law of the prophets. Everything that the Old Testament was about was two things. Love God, love your fellow man. Now again, we, we realize that loving our fellow man may sometimes require us, just as you have children, you know, Johnny, don't play with razor blades. Oh, you don't have your children. You're telling them no. No, you tell them not to play with razor blades because they'll cut themselves off. That actually happened to me. I've used that illustration for years, and my kid got into the shaver. And he starts crying. I go, what's the matter? And blood's running down his head. And on the other hand, he has a, he has a safety razor. I go, oh. And Ariel goes, isn't that an illustration you use? And I go, Yes. But it's true. We take those things away, not because we're being mean or not because, hey, listen, when we talk to people, I always picture it this way, and I know we're late and we'll go. If I was on the other side of the screen door that day when I was 17 or 18, how would I want somebody to talk to me? Would it be, you're so stupid? No. I would say, look, this is what I have found. This is what makes the difference. See, we can approach God legally, or we can approach God in love, and Jesus died on the cross, so we would have a loving relationship with God, restore us back to the Garden of Eden again, where man would walk with God in the cool of the evening. That's what we want. Or we can have the checklist. Well, God, I do this. I do this. I don't do this. I don't do this. I do this. What do you think of that? Is that the relationship you want with God? Or do you want one that God... Well, as he says, we'll get into this next week. Verse 6 again. Where in your hearts cry out, Abba, Father. That is a word that children would call their daddy. We go Papa or Daddy or Abba. That's the relationship God wants with us. Not, oh, far a noble God out in the outer cosmos beyond Star Wars. It's God says, I want a relationship with you where you come and sit on my lap and just like it was back in the garden, all things restored. If you haven't spent time with your God in heaven, If you haven't spent time with the Lord lately by crawling up in his lap, putting your arm around his neck, and saying, Jesus, this is what's on my heart. Then you're missing the best part of being a Christian. You have a relationship with God. If you're not a Christian here this morning, and you're saying, oh, I want that. I'm tired of the rules and regulations. All I found about rules and regulations is I can't keep them. I need something to change me on the inside. Pray right now. And God will do as you ask. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I invite you into my life today. I ask you to make me the best I can be for you. From this day forward, I confess you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross for me. Change me from the inside out. Come, live inside of me. And may my life be that which pleases you. And help me please you each day. So fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store, or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening.